1: And welcome to Dear Hank and John. Or is I to think of it, Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast about death, where me and my brother John, that's that other guy there, we answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars, the planet, and AFC Wimbledon, the League One English soccer team. How you doing, John?
0: I'm doing well. I had a terrible night last night. I got very little sleep because my dog would not stop howling, uh, and my children... Poor Alice was having nightmares. Hmm. It's like a mix of sweet and sad. Yeah, that sounds Uh, very sad. So I'm a little bit fatigued. Mm -hmm. But... uh on the whole, I would say that things are great. How are you?
1: I'm good. There are so many beautiful things in the world, and I just like I want to like take a look at like a nice fall leaf uh, with all of its many colors as as all as its chlorophyll is senescing into the body of the of the tree, and think how beautiful life is, how beautiful Earth is, how how wonderful all of the interplay of all of the the you know biological and physical and and even and uh, sociological systems are. And I just, I just want to take it all in and love it and not ever, ever think about the only thing I can think about, which is Donald Trump.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, I share your concern. I do want to just say one thing, though, Hank, which is that, you know, where none of those things happen? Mars.
1: Well, but you do have, like, the, uh, the interplay of billions of years of water dancing across the surface of this planet. And as we will find out maybe later in today's episode of Dear Hank and John, that the amount of time that that water was dancing across the planet was maybe a little longer than we thought previously. And maybe that means that there was more time for life to have its wonderful, beautiful impacts upon the surface of the red planet. Uh, but we will never know. We will never know. Or maybe not. It's also possible that it's been a cold, dead rock the whole time. Uh, I just Until we get there, and Elon Musk confirms again this week that it could be within the next 10 years, or, quote, maybe sooner. So take that. <laughs> within the next 10 years or maybe sooner. What's sooner than the next 10 years? The past? No. Well, oh, I see what you're saying. Within the (laughs) next 10 years, maybe sooner than than sometime between now and 10 years from now, it could be sooner than that. Yeah, it wouldn't
0: surprise me, actually, if Elon Musk built a time machine just (laughs) so he could go to Mars before 2028 so that I would lose my bet with you. All right, let's move on. Uh, You might remember, Hank, that last week we had no corrections whatsoever, so Mm -hmm. I got to read a proper short poem written by an actual poet, and I promised that we would not perform so well ever again <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay
0: and i have kept that promise There there's tons of corrections from our last episode uh that i have uh turned into the following short poem can i read it to you yes please the plural of lego is lego penguin flesh is delicious and the human gi tract is complex a short poem of correction there. Uh, We got a letter, a very long (laughs) letter actually, from Tom, who is a penguin researcher living in New Zealand, Uh pointing out that essentially everything that Hank said about penguins in our last episode was incorrect. (laughs) Uh, They have delicious Flesh uh, that is not full of fat. Uh, In fact, they have the strongest pectoral muscles of any bird. Uh, Their flesh is frequently eaten, especially in South America, where it is known to be a delicacy for Sunday roasts. And uh, while penguins are concerned about climate change, uh, their biggest challenges are fishery competition and something called bycatch as well as habitat destruction introduce predators and uh you know just humans in general so i just want to say that uh, one other correction the plural of lego is not legos apparently 150,000 people wrote in to tell us that so <laughs> thanks to every uh, single person who listens to our podcast for that correction
1: uh john do you know what bycatch
0: is is bycatch where you don't mean to catch a penguin but you accidentally do
1: yeah, it's when it's when you catch things that you don't mean to catch when you're fishing, uh, and that's a sad thing to happen to a penguin.
0: I cannot tell you how many times I've just been trying uh, to catch a smallmouth bass in the White River, and boom, penguin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's bycatch right there. Uh, we got another correction. I don't know if you noticed it, but uh, but I talked about how uh, how frustrated I was that. Uh, that there, that there's like the major soda companies are trying to get in on LaCroix's game. And, uh, somebody, and I, I mentioned that like, it's okay if you want to go with like an old, uh, seltzer company like Polar or Seagram's. And someone pointed out that Seagram's is in fact owned by Coca-Cola. Like, as you might imagine, everything else.
0: Well, not everything else. My soul, for instance, is owned by the Mars company. They make Snickers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're t- this podcast is also apparently owned by the Mars company who makes Snickers. I mean, if they send me 378
0: more Snickers bars, I will sell them this podcast.
1: <laughs> uh, last correction before we get
0: to some questions from our listeners. Uh, we were also totally wrong about the human GI tract and its relationship to the fight or flight response. Uh, we said that at that response, uh, all the blood and energy or mm-hmm. whatever from the uh, human GI tract gets diverted uh, to the extremity in fact it gets diverted mostly to the heart and lungs Ah, that makes sense yeah are bad yeah okay hank yeah having now corrected essentially the entire last podcast uh shall we move on to some questions from our listeners
1: yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's one from Alex who asks, dear John and whoops, dear Hank and John. I don't know why Alex wrote <laughs> the names of, of us backwards, but apparently Alex did. What uh, do I do when I see a stranger crying in public? Today I saw a woman crying at the bathroom in the bathroom at a restaurant. I saw her twice and I know that she saw me, so I panicked and gave her the thumbs up. Something I know is not the right thing to do. So there's one thing that you shouldn't do is be like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: this is one of those golden rule situations, I think, where you have to imagine how you would want a stranger to react if they saw you crying. Um, and I think one of the things you don't want to see is the double thumbs up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey. What about the, uh, the international
0: symbol for OK?
1: Like, hey, yeah. you're OK. <laughs> Gotta come up with a new hand gesture for this one. Uh, Just uh, do—you could do like the do like the wicka wicka, where you put your index finger into a a, a hole made by your thumb and forefinger, and just make that gesture.
0: (laughs) You mean the 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 third grade sign for sexual intercourse? Yeah, that one. Wicca, wicca, no, that wicca, wicca, is not wicca. a good response to seeing a stranger crying in public. In fact, I would argue that a hand gesture is the wrong call altogether. Again, I'm gonna. I'm, I'm someone who's done a fair amount of crying in public, so I feel like I'm a bit of an expert in this situation. Okay, okay. I'll tell you what I want uh, a stranger to do when they see me crying in public: move on. Yeah. I mean, let's just try your best not to look directly in my eyes. And continue about your day because there's probably not a lot that you stranger can do in this moment for me. But what about like
1: wicka 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 wicka?
0: Like, <laughs> no. I mean, everybody has different needs, but I don't need the wicka 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 woo. <laughs>
1: okay, I tried my best. Uh, yeah, no, I think that John. I think that John's advice here is good advice, and uh, and I think that I've made all of the fun that I can with this joke uh so let's move on Uh,
0: yeah i mean I, i there may be times when it's helpful you know to hear from a stranger that you are loved or you're gonna be okay or whatever but i i've never had one of them uh so i don't know our advice is so dubious in general. Let's move on to another question. This one is from uh, Aze, who writes Dear John and Hank, my name is Aze. Don't worry about the pronunciation. You'll definitely get it wrong. I resent that A's <laughs> or say. <laughs> I'm a 20 year old student from Norway. Today, I. Ass- Say, was talking with a girl in my class About how scary I think one of our professors is And when I turned around I saw our professor Walking <laughs> past me just as I said it I've accepted that I can never go back To her class again and that I will most likely Have to flee the country my question to you is Where would be a good place to start my new life Any dubious advice is appreciated Pumpkins and penguins a's. ace,
1: Ace uh, like ace of base John you it's know not
0: like ace of base You can tell because there's a weird accent Mark on one of the letters
1: it's yeah. It's not an accent mark. It's like it's like the A has a little hat. Yeah. Like it's like it's a party hat. It's got a it's got a palm on it. Uh, I'm gonna say awesome. Like it's the first two. It's just like if if you were gonna spell awesome, but then you like left off the uh, O M E and instead just like it's, it's an E. So it's awesome. Like I'm awesome. That's awesome right there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna recommend leaving Norway, Hank, just because uh, you know it's
1: heaven. <laughs> Right, and also nobody's going to know how to pronounce your name. That's true,
0: too, but mostly, like, it's one of the top three countries with the other um, two on either side of you. If my geography is correct, please, God, Norway be in the middle.
1: (laughs) Googling, Googling. It's not. It's not. It's on the edge. It's the one with all the fjords. Oh, dang it. It's on the Atlantic (laughs) Ocean. Oh, what's that one in the middle called? Yeah, Sweden's the one in the middle. Sweden, apparently. Uh, not Switzerland, as uh, that's a totally different part of. Here. Yeah, no, I didn't
0: think it was Switzerland. I knew that the three were Finland, Sweden, and Norway. I just couldn't tell you for the life of, of me which which you know which was where. Anyway, let's move on to the question. Man,
1: look at all those fjords, John. That country has a lot of. Look at them all. Oh. Geez, that's awesome. You could live in you can live in Harstad or Stortland or Holmstad or Blocken or Hennes. All these places right on the fjords. Beautiful, beautiful place. No, it's a good
0: life. It's a good uh, life, uh say. You don't want to leave. I think you should stay. So I've had a few experiences of this, Hank. Have you ever had an experience of
1: this? Uh, I've had experiences like it when I've said something about someone and then realized that they were sitting there.
0: For me, it's usually that I said something about someone and realized that they were CC'd on that email.
1: Oh, yeah. You do that all the time, and it is a a legitimate threat to our business. (laughs) It
0: is frequently (laughs) catastrophic. I'll tell you what. I never do it when I've said something nice about someone.
1: (laughs) Oh, man, John. Uh, I, uh, I, you know, honestly, I, and, and when it happens, I uh, now, as, a, as a, a very grown person who has to work with people, even if I have made a fool of myself, uh, I find that it is good to immediately reply and say, hey, so uh, here's what, here's the situation. It happened. We're going to have to power through. And I apologize um, and... And uh, maybe even a little bit of explanation for why I think that way. Now, I don't know if you can have that conversation with your teacher, uh, but maybe you can. Probably not, especially if you're afraid of them. Uh, so it might the my the best course of action may be to just really do your best to pretend like this never happened.
0: Yeah, you've just got to move on with your life as if this didn't happen and try to do really well in that course. But I would also say that it's not necessarily a bad thing from a teacher's perspective to be scary. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not exactly an insult. It's close to an insult, but it's not like you said this teacher is terrible. You just said that they're frightening. They may like being frightening.
1: Yeah, maybe they're trying to be frightening in order to uh, in order to be a better teacher.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I I wouldn't worry about it too much. But the right thing to do now is to let it go. Let's move on to another question, Hank. This one comes from Nina. John, before
1: but no, but before we do that, can we just talk about how many weird little towns there are in Norway? I, I want to know where Asa is from. If you're from one of these weird northern towns w- among the fjords, like th- these places have to have like population five. Just these tiny little places. It's beautiful. God, I want to go to Norway. I don't know. How many people live in Norway? 100 million? 200 million? Oh, probably about that. Yeah.
0: Um, five million.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, well, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a of way off. You know, Sweden is twice as big as Norway in terms of population. That's interesting. I,
0: I, I mean, I feel like people probably don't come to the pod for really terrible Scandinavian geography lessons. <laughs> <laughs> so can we move on to a question from our listener Nina?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Can I do di- I I may I may just like uh interject every once in a while with the name of a town uh like like ripe fjord.
0: Please resist resist that urge all right okay this question comes from nina who writes dear john and hank it's my birthday today and every year the same thing happens uh quick pause on the question to note that good news nina it is no longer your birthday (laughs) Uh, you sent us this question (laughs) like fully four months ago uh when someone calls you on your birthday but you missed the call are you supposed to call back it's always strange to open the conversation when there clearly is no reason to ask why they called me your dubious advice is needed thanks in advance and greetings from germany nina today by the way hank we're only answering questions from Europe.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I just, I, I, it depends. If they leave a message and the message is, uh, is the full uh, birthday thing, then I feel like they have, they have accomplished their goal. They've done their duty and they, they sang you a birthday song. And maybe you text them back and say thanks for the message. Uh, if, if they leave a message and they're like, I'd love to talk, uh then you call them back if they don't leave a message then they are the problem and you you have no obligation to them
0: no if they don't leave a message yeah you have absolutely no obligation to them but i would argue that you have no obligation regardless because it is your birthday your only obligation is to call them on their birthday and hope that they don't pick up and so that you can leave a message uh Hank, I just want to point out that so far we've answered three questions from our listeners, and in all three cases, our advice was just ignore them. <laughs> it's
1: really, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it may say something about contemporary uh, social life. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, It also may say something about how we're feeling uh, overall about life in America right now and the political situation and everything else. It, it's like... Uh, Every every time somebody asks us a question, our only answer is, "Have you considered putting your head in the sand?" That's what ostriches do, and it's worked great for them.
1: <laughs> uh, did you did you mention that Asa ended? Uh Asked this question with pumpkins and penguins. I did. I I have to say we got
0: a lot of questions this week that ended with pumpkins and penguins. Uh, just as we were getting over the flood of questions wherein people claim to be competitive Pokemon uh, card players, almost all of them tragically lying, uh, we now have a new <laughs> a new thing uh, pumpkin the pumpkins and penguins sign off. So yes, uh, we have we have we have encouraged this. We have brought it upon ourselves.
1: Indeed, indeed. All right, we go on another question, John? I do. All right, this is one this one is from Josh, uh, and Josh asks, dear Hank and John, I recently watched the 2012 animated film Wolf Children, wherein a woman falls in love with a werewolf and gives birth to, go figure, a pair of half-wolf, half-human children. This leads to a variety of domestic complications, and without going too deep into spoilers, eventually raises basic medical questions such as whether or not children of hybrid birth should or can get inoculated without suffering from, from severe side effects. My question then follows thusly: Would children of hybrid birth be able to or even need to receive vaccinations in order to establish a good immune defense so John what do you think half half wolf half humans do they should they get vaccinated
0: well i i I have a couple of questions before the question my biggest question is that apparently in this movie at least according to josh uh a werewolf falls in love with a human and then they have a half wolf half human child Mm -hmm. and i would argue that at best this child would be one quarter wolf right because the werewolf is already half human the person is presumably 100 percent human so their offspring would only be one quarter wolf so i i don't agree with the premise of the question that said i do happen to be an expert in the
1: field of human oh you kind of you kind of do have that that weird expertise uh, do you want to continue with that, or should I, should I tell you more about Wolf Children, this movie, of which I have now seen images but not a trailer or anything? It would appear that these children are not uh, half-wolf children. It would appear that they are half-werewolf children, where they can uh... sometimes switch back and forth between being children who happen to have ears all of the time, but then sometimes they uh, look more wolfy, and sometimes they look more humany. Uh, it is unclear. It is unclear. I'm only looking at images.
0: Listen, I do not feel at all qualified to comment on whether mythical creatures need vaccinations. That is not a field of my expertise. I am terrible mm-hmm. uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to that kind of imaginative uh, fiction. Uh the speculative stuff i do know however a ton about human z's so it's not exactly josh's question but it is uh, you know it falls into a category of something that i know a lot about long story short and it is a very long story it is Maybe possible to make Human-Z children, but it is a terrible idea.
1: Yes, big, bad, big, bad. Very bad, very big, bad. It is a
0: terrible idea on every level. Uh, and just because something is maybe possible, probably not, but maybe possible, does not mean that it should happen. Uh, but if you did make a Human-Z child, I assume that it would uh, benefit from vaccinations because chimpanzees do and humans do. So I assume humanzees would. Yeah
1: good good answer um you know I, I, it's 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 possible that the uh that the hybrid child would not have be susceptible to a human disease but it should be vaccinated against both human and dog diseases just in case um also no it, i think that it would just dogs who said anything about dogs uh i think that wolves and dogs are probably close enough that we could use dog vaccines on a on a wolf child Wait, whoa, whoa. Back up the tape real quick. Is it seriously possible, maybe, to make human wolf children? No. Okay, so this is irrelevant. I am only answering the question about whether the children from this movie should be vaccinated, John. You
0: scared the crap out of me, making me briefly believe that it was possible for humans and wolves to have children.
1: I'm, like, still working my way through it. All right. Well, I, I do think that this movie. Josh,
0: my advice is just to ignore it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie looks adorable, though. I want to see it now. Uh, it's, uh, it's super cute. The uh, cute mom with her cute little kids with their cute little tails. Um, uh, Wolf children. It's got really good typography too.
0: Does it? Okay. Well, I mean, uh, maybe I'll put yeah. it in the. I'll put it in the queue. Is it available on Netflix?
1: Uh, it, it appears that uh, it appears that it's not available on Netflix, John. Uh, it's called Wolf Children. It got ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes from two thousand twelve. Ninety three percent fresh. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's too early for sponsors, but I'm putting it in the list of things that might be sponsoring today's video. All right, Hank. Should we answer another question? Yeah, yeah, sure. All
0: right, this one comes from Aaron, who writes, Dear John and Hank, as I was pondering slash trying to study for my geology exam, I realized I had a question. So the core of the Earth is hot, right? Like, clearly it's hot enough to melt rock and metal and all that jazz. The sun is also very hot. Assuming we could manage to go that far and not melt, would the center of the Earth produce any visible light like the really hot sun does? I cannot rest until I know the answer. I just want to say that I'm sorry about the last part because... It has been literally three weeks.
1: Uh, yes. Well. Uh, yes. Yes. You've seen magma, right? The stuff that is bubbling out from the middle of the earth that casts its own light. You can see it in the dark. Um, it's called black body radiation, and it is the the light that things give off when you heat them up, um, and uh, and the electrons get energized to, or the get energized enough that they jump between energy levels in an atom, and as they do that, they emit a photon, and that photon can be viewed by your by your eyes, yes. I don't have any other answer for that one. All right. So <clears throat> the center of the earth
0: would, it would be like an extremely small sun.
1: Uh, it, would, it would cast its own light. I don't, it would not be like an extremely small sun. Uh, In a lot of physical ways it would the mechanisms by what by which the photons are created are very very different
0: I've never heard. uh, I've heard the phrase cast a shadow I've never heard of a phrase casting light, but I like it a lot Which is why I'm talking because I know that we have to keep talking during the podcast But I'm also making a note to myself for my new story Uh, Things do sometimes cast light as
1: well as shadows. <laughs>
0: okay, nobody else used that. I call that.
1: <laughs> oh, I would. Yeah, I think that that's not like a crazy.
0: No, it's beautiful. Hey, don't don't apologize for it. It's excellent. Okay. Uh, and also, we were finally able to properly answer a question. Uh, I have another one for you.
1: Uh, first, I have to say that uh, that there is an entertainment lighting podcast. Um, it is a podcast uh for the for the industry of people who who light things in entertainment so like shows uh lighting yeah. that kind of thing it's co- that is called casting light
0: really uh-huh of course there is is there not a pod- there at this point there's a podcast for everything uh there's even a podcast devoted entirely to afc Wimbledon the nine years podcast because it only took nine years to rise to through the non-league ranks to get Mm, back to mm -hmm. League 2 and professional full-time league football. Uh, Hank, I have another question for you. All right. Okay, Hank, here's another question for you. This one comes from Matthew, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I recently picked up the Great Gatsby from my local library and wasn't super into it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's an indefensible position, but whatever. I will continue to read the question. (laughs) I was very turned off by how creepily Nick described people, particularly his cousin Daisy, but I realized this the day I checked it out and I'm terrified about returning it so soon. I don't want to offend the librarians by returning potentially one of their favorite books the day after i checked it out my question is when is the appropriate time to return a library book that you do not like and this advice would be much appreciated
1: uh john i think it's it's interesting uh that matthew here has decided that it is that it is uh worrying to offend a librarian um in returning this book, but not worrying to write to John Green, uh, a great author and and lover of the Great Gatsby, uh, about about the reasons why you don't like the Great Gatsby. Like, what are your what is your main concern here? That's
0: a terrible reason not to like the Great Gatsby. I don't want to. I, I don't I don't I don't want to go off uh, on a rant and not answer the question. But in my opinion, that is not a good reason to not like the Great Gatsby. Like, of course, Nick is in many profound ways an unreliable narrator and not an entirely likable character although i would argue that like ultimately he's pretty likable but like that doesn't mean the book isn't good uh i don't know where we got this idea in our heads that books are only supposed to be about characters who are straightforwardly and eminently likable and in no way like creepy or weird like I i don't know any people like that
1: I don't think that it's an idea that we have that a book should be this way. I think that some people are looking for an, a pleasant experience and to identify with people who they think are good people. And if you're if you're looking for oh, that— Oh, The
0: Great Gatsby is an incredibly pleasant reading experience. It's fun to hate all of the hateable characters. It's fun to love all of the lovable ones. It's maybe the most pleasant reading experiences among the major American novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's far more pleasant than, for instance, like reading Absalom Absalom, yeah. or uh, it's more pleasant than Reading yes, beloved, but, but, you know. But, anyway, but I
1: am not. Matthew I am not... may be coming from a place where he doesn't read Absalom, Absalom, and uh, and and yeah, and this is a yeah, and is looking for a, uh, I, I think that that a lot of the reason that I liked to read especially in my, like, teenage and early 20 years, was I was looking for people to emulate, and I was looking for people to like, and uh, and I needed some guidance. I needed people who I saw were, in like, in the world in the correct way because I wanted to know how to do that. And if I found, like, protagonists that I didn't feel like were doing that, I'd be like, eh, I don't want this. This isn't helping me figure this out. So there's lots of reasons to read, I guess, is, is the thing I should have just said.
0: Okay, I... Uh... I apologize, I came at that way too hard. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I that was think probably like that's one of those emotional reactions uh, that probably isn't about the Great Gatsby deep down, yeah. <laughs> you know, like probably more about me than about <laughs> F. Scott Fitzgerald. Maybe. maybe. <laughs>
1: uh, I think what you got to do is you got to go back and bring the bring the Great Gatsby back. Like two days later, and be like, "This was so good, I read it in two days." Now, where is the your nearest copy of? uh you know a a jason board book uh
0: i think you could go back and say i mean look it's only like a 180 page book or something so yeah i think you can go back right away and if you're asked about it then you can respond honestly and matthew don't let don't let my little uh overzealous (laughs) rant discourage (laughs) you from having your opinion um but I, you probably won't be asked about it because librarians are busy people, so they'll probably just be like, "Uh-huh." And, <laughs> yeah, what, you know, yeah. what's next?" Uh, and you'll and you'll you know like you'll hopefully move on to find a book that you like more. I'm gonna say that I don't recommend the Jason Bourne uh, books if you're looking to avoid creepy descriptions of women. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't think that's the right direction to go in at all.
1: Yeah, bro, I don't know very much about the the Bourne books, John. I'll be honest. I was just looking for I, something popular. I read popular. a couple of
0: them. They're they're you turn the pages, you know. I, I and I have to say. Before we move on, that I love a page-turning novel. I love like I love romances set in uh, castles in Edwardian England. I love uh, action books. I read so like I I don't I don't I don't mean to judge other people's reading habits, and I apologize if I was doing that. Again, that was not about Gatsby or F. Scott Fitzgerald, but probably deep down about me. All right, Hank, do you have another question for me?
1: Yeah, this one's from Lindsay, who asks, Dear Hank and John, I always carry tissues with me to class. The tissues are not only for me, but also for other people. I always see someone wiping their nose on their sleeve or their hand or somewhere else that snot does not belong. And when I see this, I get them out of my pocket, and I offer the people a pack of tissues who need them. I've done this many times, but only twice have people accepted my tissues. Why don't people take my tissues? Thank you for attempting to answer my quandary, Lindsay.
0: Mm-mm. Nope. No, 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 nope, nope, nope. I think we're going to have to go back to our default advice <laughs> of this episode, which is that you need to ignore other people. <laughs> I know. That's why I went with this question. I feel like what other people do with their own snot yeah. is not your business. Even if it's nope. happening near you, you've just, you've got mm-hmm. to let it go. Uh, and and it, it I feel like it's kind of uh presumptuous to tell other people that you know the proper way for them to deal with their own snot.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I think that so I I have been thinking about this a lot in general my my life and the people around me there is this thing that happens when we, there is there is a there is a, a request or a statement or a suggestion that comes with nothing. It comes uh with with you know maybe a little bit of uh with with a good meaning will, like just like I want you to have a better life. And then there are the requests and the suggestions and the advice that come laden with this opinion about me and uh, and it can sometimes be a, an opinion about me that I'm creating and I, I I hear it even when it's not there. but it is very difficult for me to to have like wiped snot away from my nose with my hand and then have someone offer me tissues without feeling like you're judging me. And without feeling like that, tissue is coming along right. with a little bit of, a, of an opinion. Right, so I think that's
0: why you're yeah. getting the negative responses when you offer the tissues because people feel judged. And even if they secretly maybe do do want the tissues, uh, they don't want to take mm-hmm. them because mm-hmm. then they're put on the defensive.
1: Yeah, yeah and I uh, and Catherine, Kath, my my wife says this to me all the time. Do you need a tissue? And I'm like, you know, no. I'm just gonna put that snot right on on the inside of my sleeve. It's gonna happen. <laughs>
0: Right. I, I, you know what I do? I needed a tissue until you
1: asked, and now I don't. <laughs> Why don't you say the thing that you mean, which is that's disgusting. Stop. <laughs> Uh, right, I
0: guess that's the uh, thing. It feels passive aggressive, and people usually respond uh, to passive aggressive things uh, passive aggressively. You know, like we 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 answer mm-hmm, experiences mm-hmm. Uh, with the way that we are we experience them. Usually, uh, I didn't say that very eloquently, but you know what I mean. Today's podcast is brought to you by Kleenex. Kleenex <laughs> for yourself mostly, or other people, but only if they ask you for the Kleenex.
1: Yeah, or they are, uh, you know, a little baby incapable of blowing their own nose. Uh, this uh, podcast is oh, also Oh, Hank, to you, you don't the... even
0: know about this yet. No, no, no. I know. Well, I do. You I've use... watched so many babies
1: covered in their own snot. You don't use Kleenexes, not when they're
0: little babies. Uh, yeah. You use yeah. something yeah. even more adorable. You use this bulb that sucks the snot
1: out of their nose. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by the bulb that sucks the snot out of their nose. Uh, the bulb that sucks the snot out of their nose. It is necessary because children are built so poorly that they can, they, like, can stop themselves from breathing because of all their little boogers and stuff.
0: They are horribly designed. Um, do you not have one of the little bulbs yet? I'll send you one. I have like 40 of them.
1: I don't know that I do, John.
0: Well, I, I'll tell you, I think you get one in the hospital regardless, but I will send you one of the bulbs. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Humanzees. Humanzees,
1: terrible idea. <laughs> and finally, this podcast is brought to you by the town, of the Norwegian town of Meistervik. Nor- Norwegian town of Meistervik. It looks like it's got about eight people in it, but it's got a name and it's on a fjord.
0: I asked you really nicely to let that uh, bit go, and you refused to do it. And I don't even know if I can finish the podcast now.
1: <laughs> Are we even brothers anymore?
0: Uh, you know, Meistervik is actually the name for one of IKEA's mattresses. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you look it up? Oh, I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> the, in fact like the first
0: page of uh the first page of like uh search results are all for the IKEA mattress, well, nothing you, about the place.
1: If you go to Google image search, uh it's just like mattress, 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 beautiful town, beautiful yeah. town, mattress, beautiful town, beautiful town, mattress.
0: I'm trying to find out the population of Meistervik to find out if I could uh I'm wondering if it's worth making a trip to Meistervik, so I'm trying to find out the population.
1: Uh I um, think probably uh, it's not worth making a trip to Meistervik. Well, it is not anywhere on uh, the uh, on any of the services that, that keep track of things.
0: My biggest concern is that Meistervik... Well, Meistervik does have a Wikipedia page. Uh, the Meistervik Chapel is located there. That's exciting. Uh, the Wikipedia page does not contain any kind of
1: demographic information. Yeah. Um, so here's what, I, here's what I think you need to know about Meistervik, John. If you go on Yelp and uh, search for uh, the best restaurants in Meistervik, yeah. the nearest one is about 20 miles away. The nearest—not the nearest good restaurant. The nearest restaurant is 20 miles away. Uh, they have one church that seats 100 people that was built in
0: 1968. It was originally a school. That is the entire Wikipedia article in question. <laughs>
1: There is a, a really interesting fact about Meistervik, John. Yep. The nearest town to Meistervik is called Mestervik.
0: Mm. <laughs> Norway.
1: <laughs> you so silly. Oh,
0: I don't think Meistervik is a real place. I think that uh, I think it's one of those things. Like you know, it's not that hard to make something up now on the internet. You just create a couple Wikipedia pages, and it seems real. I think it's a. Are ba- you saying
1: that 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 it's paper town? I think it's a paper
0: town. Uh, let's answer another question from our listeners, Hank.
1: Okay. Is this is this one from uh, from anyone from in the Norwegian town of Storstein's, which is the the nearest uh, res- the, the location of the nearest restaurant to Meistervik? Uh,
0: I, this is the last time I'm going to ask you to end the bit and then after this I'm just going to end the podcast prematurely.
1: <laughs>
0: do you have a question?
1: <laughs> oh no, but uh but I do have a Yelp review from one of these Damn it. <laughs> I just have to read you because it's amazing. It's very busy at times. It's a self-seated place where you can order at the till. We enjoyed a great reindeer stew, and I absolutely recommend that you give it a try.
0: All right. So if you ever go to Meistervik, drive 20 (laughs) miles from Meistervik to the nearest restaurant and enjoy the reindeer stew. Now, can we answer another question from our listeners, please?
1: Yeah, sure, John. This one is... uh, This one is from a Swedish person, Julia, who uh, says, Dear Hank and John, I recently listened to their podcast where John was adamant that red, yellow, and orange were all, the, were all shades of brown, but that purple absolutely was not. But in Sweden, it sort of used to be. A long time ago, Sweden was a very poor and remote country, uh, and purple was not yet in our vocabulary. In Sweden, we didn't have access to purple dye or any way of making the purple color. We did, however, have what we today call purple flowers and berries growing wild in our forests. And because we didn't have have a name for their color. We called them the nearest color that we had a name for, which was brown. Wow. So there you go, every color is brown. You know, that? have we
0: talked about this before, that the ancient Greeks Probably could not see the color blue.
1: R- right. Well, that they just didn't. They didn't see it as a color. Almost weirdly. Right.
0: They thought of it as a kind of gray. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very hard to get your head around that idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The the uh, the evolution of like of colors being named and blue tends to be the last color that gets named which seems so weird because it's like the ocean and the sky. Like it's the right. two things.
0: But, you know, as Homer famously wrote in the Odyssey, it's the wine dark sea, right? Like he had a way, mm-hmm. a different way of seeing the, the ocean than than you and I do. Uh, but that idea that something doesn't exist until there's a word for it, of course, very controversial in the, in the world of linguistics, I know. And I, I don't want to get in a fight with linguists because they, well, they just have such a great vocabulary. But um, I, I it's a very weird idea that, like, language kind of co-creates reality along with sensory experience. It's very—humans are so weird.
1: I agree, John. I agree. Do you want to do another question before we finish up the podcast?
0: Yeah. Uh, I just want to read—by the way, I, I can't help but notice that Julia's question was not a question.
1: <laughs> no, that was actually in the comments <laughs> section of, of, the, uh, uh, of the podcast. I, I just wanted to talk more about, about Sweden. Uh,
0: similarly, uh, I just want to read this, uh, wonderful email we got from, uh, listener Ruth who wrote, you remember a few weeks ago, Hank, we talked about what to do, uh, when you're at the dentist, what to do with your eyes specifically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Ruth writes, when I'm at the dentist, I look at the light and imagine that it's a maternal praying mantis like creature looking over me and keeping me safe while I'm being made extremely uncomfortable and vulnerable. I just thought that was so beautiful. Why a praying mantis, though? They're creepy. No, but like the way that the light sort of comes, you know, the way it bends over the table, it does look kind of like a praying mantis. It is the.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's some kind of weird alien insectoid thing. Yeah. that That is just like. You could just imagine that it's like exuding support and joy and love.
0: Right. That's what Ruth imagines is that it loves you. And that's such a smart way of dealing with dental uh, anxiety. It almost (laughs) makes me think that uh, all dentists should start dressing up their lights as praying mantises and then they can see if that leads to less Uh, Dental anxiety. I'm not sure that that would actually work.
1: Seems unlikely. Uh, Okay, here's our last question, John. It's from Melissa, who asks, Dear Hank and John, you talked a bit recently about the fact that longer commutes to work every day significantly impact people's happiness. However, the house used as number four Privet Drive in the Harry Potter movies recently went up for sale. The description of the house says that it is ideal for commuters as it is just about an hour from London by train. My question is this. Would my commute to work still make me unhappy if I lived in Harry Potter's freaking house? Mm, yes. So
0: <laughs> I do think that architecture matters in your mm-hmm. daily lived life. I've lived in a bunch of vastly different spaces and even when they were similarly sized, I think the architecture affected my mm-hmm. life. But I don't think the like uh, history of a home matters on a day-by-day basis. It's like a cool thing to talk about when you bring people over, but I think when you're living there, you just get used to it, don't you?
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely the case. Um, uh, The other thing that I want to say about this, though, is that uh, first, train commutes uh, don't make people as unhappy as driving, because driving is this weird, like, you know, like halfway activity where you have to be on, and so you can't, like be thinking about and doing other stuff. You can't be reading a book. You can't be watching a show. You can't be, you know, like you, can't, like you can listen to a podcast though. Hey, dear Hank and John. Um, but, uh, and the other thing I'll say is that it might not make you significantly less happy. These studies study m- many different people, and they're looking at bell curves of happiness. And uh, And happy people tend to be on the happy side of the bell curve, uh, whether or not they drive to work. They just The bell curve sort of slightly shifts to the less happy side I- in a measurable, noticeable, uh, consistent way if you're looking at people who have long commutes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well...
1: Just because you have a long commute doesn't mean you're unhappy. But I, I do uh, feel like I'm curious whether that home In particular has a higher asking price than all of the other homes because it was Harry Potter's house. I can't imagine that it doesn't.
0: No, yeah, I would think that it definitely would. I I should also say, Hank, that I once had a long commute and because I liked uh, the radio stations where I was commuting and because I needed uh, the kind of mental break of the commute, it was when I was working as a chaplain at a children's hospital, Mm -hmm. I really valued it and I think it made me happier. So everybody's different and like you said, these studies are big and they look at Bell curves and it doesn't have anything to do with individual experience necessarily can i tell you the news from afc wimbledon yes you may so hank afc wimbledon uh recently played charlton uh away this is a disastrous game uh or it was gonna be a disastrous game you know charlton not too long ago was in the premier league you know like they were at the top of the top uh, now they're down in League One, but they're a very good team. Uh, you know, they got a big stadium, all the fancy stuff that uh, big big teams have, uh, and they're pretty high up in the table. They were like 10th or mm. something, whereas Wimbledon, down there at the bottom, and, you know, it wasn't looking good. We went 1-0 down, uh, and then... We scored two goals, we won 2-1, we got our second victory of the season, we're off the bottom, we're all the way in 18th place, eight points from eight games, and only one point away from the franchise currently playing in Milton Keynes. Uh, The team, who when Wimbledon plays them, the Wimbledon fans sing, who were you, who were you, who were you when you were us?
1: Oh man. Well, uh, that... So you've won two games now, is that correct? Uh, I mean, that's one way
0: of looking at it. Yes, two games out of eight. Uh, but we've also tied two.
1: Okay, that's good, too. Uh, so so you've only lost half your games.
0: Only lost half the games. Currently uh, comfortably in eight in uh, 18th place. So 8 points from 8 games is not probably going to be a good enough ratio to stay up at the end of the season like at the end of the season Wimbledon will have played 46 games and 46 points probably won't be enough. Last season I think it took 51 points Mm -hmm. to stay up. Um, So uh, things will have to improve slightly but I've got to say I'm feeling a lot better than I was feeling a few games into the season when we were down there at the very 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 bottom currently occupied by by coventry and either rochdale or rockdale nobody knows for sure how to pronounce it
1: Uh, all right well uh do you have any idea what why why you've gotten better at soccer uh, at, at AFC Wimbledon in the in the last game? What happened? What, why was it different?
0: I haven't had the chance to go to a game live yet, and none of them have been televised. So uh, uh-huh. I don't know. But uh, I will be going to a game very soon, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, yeah, so that'll be fun. Hank, what is the news from Mars?
1: We've got uh, some research coming out uh, now uh, recently that, uh, that is indicating that Mars had water longer than we thought it had. So Mars had had liquid water on it uh, as recently as uh, two to three billion years ago. And we uh, thought that there was a, a time that, that came when Mars's atmosphere had basically been blown away, the magnetic field shut down, and, uh, and that basically made it impossible for liquid water to continue being on the surface. But it appears that uh, there are much more recent uh geological features that were carved by liquid water uh, that are on the surface of Mars, and that it may have had Mars for several hundred million years longer than we thought that it had. Um, and and not just like valleys that may have been carved by like ice dams breaking or just like huge upswellings of water from, you know, inside of the planet, but that emptied into uh, basins, like lake basins, that stayed filled uh, and then overflowed and then, you know, filled back up. And we can sort of see the, this process and and that uh, it was happening long after Mars should have been too cold for liquid water to to happen, which makes us uh, sort of re- need to rethink things and and probably that this uh, that this hydrological cycle was fed not by uh, rain anymore, but it was fed by snow. But there were some systems that were taking that snow and uh, and allowing it to uh, at some times of the year or uh, due to geological activity keeping that uh, that water wet and, uh, and flowing, which, uh, the more we know, the more exciting this place gets, John. Uh, So how, how similar was
0: Mars to Earth a billion years ago? Like pretty similar, it sounds like.
1: Well, a billion years ago, not so much, but two billion years ago or three billion years ago, uh, when life was forming here on earth uh you know and and sort of like in its in its fairly early stages you know from from like molecular life to single c- single celled life to you know sort of the the divergence between plants and animals all that stuff um it looks like you know mars was very similar to earth uh and that and like in very you know real consistent ways and if we looked at Mars then we, we would see a, a planet covered in clouds, a planet with rain, a planet with hydrological cycles, a planet that has all of the stuff that Earth has
0: Yeah, but I just want to underscore one thing which is that Earth already has all those things right
1: Yes Earth also, all, currently has clouds and rain and life yes correct
0: no we are doing uh, we're doing a great job right here on Earth uh, and I think this is the perfect place for humans until uh, 2028 or later. Uh, which reminds me (laughs) that even though you said that leon musk was only going to be a phase uh my number one social media account leon musk for earth number four um leon musk for earth continues uh to put out piping hot high quality content and at this point it's arguably my most active social media channel uh do you know? I mean,
1: it gets an amazing, amazing response per uh, like you have eleven thousand followers. Yeah, uh, or Leon Musk has eleven thousand followers. And Leon gets like up to five hundred likes per tweet, which is a really amazing ratio and not one that you very re- often see on Twitter.
0: Well, I mean, partly that's because Leon Musk provides such excellent content. For instance, um a couple days ago, he tweeted, and this is a direct quote, earth exclamation point
1: yeah that one did really well i got 476
0: (laughs) life likes um so that's pretty good um yeah he's he's just a really talented tweeter uh a couple days ago he got 490 likes with the following tweet sometimes i'll be at a 24-hour walmart and i think i could live here for a week if necessary it really does have everything i need and then he replied And then he replied to himself, saying, well, Earth is the 24-hour Walmart of the solar system. Hashtag think about it. Hashtag EarthLife, Hashtag Earth only. Hashtag until 2028.
1: <laughs> oh, Liam must. All right, John, I don't like to toot what... my own horn, but I'm a genius. <laughs> what What did we learn today? We have a meeting that starts in one minute. So what did we learn today?
0: Oh, man. We learned that the plural of Lego is apparently Lego.
1: Uh, we learned that the color blue didn't exist until
0: uh, after Homer. We learned that Norway is not actually in the middle of Scandinavia.
1: And we learned that they do have a delicious reindeer stew, uh, and also that if you wanted to sub penguin for that, uh, if if you were if you had some bycatch in, in your reindeer harvest of penguin, that you could also throw some of that in there too. And I don't correct me. I know that penguins are from the southern part, not the northern part, of the earth that. I was just a goof
0: Okay (laughs) Thank you for listening uh, To our podcast Hank tried to act like We weren't going to make a mistake I'm sure we made a bunch Of other mistakes Though don't worry
1: Oh sure yes Absolutely This podcast is edited By Nicholas Jenkins Rosiana
0: Hals-Rojas Helps out
1: with questions Victoria Bongiorno Manages uh, the podcast And the Patreon The uh, theme music Is from Gunnarola. You can email us At hankandjohn At gmail.com With all your questions We're also available On Twitter At hankgreen And at john green. And if you want to follow Leon He's Leon Musk Number four, Earth, and as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to, to be, be awesome. awesome.